Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the 5 for 5 podcast, the show where we play for pointless points and pointless prizes. How you doing, Mike? I'm great, Panchito. How about you, man? Good. I'm excited for another episode. Awesome. It's my turn today. Yes, it is. You definitely have been bringing some really good ones this season. Today, I've got one for us from 1922. Excellent. You want to get into it right after this? Let's do this. All right. All right, Mike, as I said at the top of the show, it's my turn today. Yes, it is, Panchito. As a reminder to our audience, we're in the time span of 1920 to 1925. This one's from 1922. Awesome. It comes out of Bidford, Maine. Okay. Yeah, it's a little coastal town. It's a couple hours north of Boston. Very cool. Okay. I'm intrigued. So the title says, Radio Getting to be Craze in the Two Cities. I don't know what the two cities are, but it's the guess the two cities covered by this newspaper. Or maybe it's Portland and Bidford. Maybe. Yeah. It's right by Port- Portland. So. Yeah. The radio craze seems to be gaining in intensity locally instead of petering out. And new stations are being installed daily in the two cities. Those who have already installed receiving stations are enjoying the concerts broadcasted daily from the large stations throughout the country, and many are making faultless connections which permit them to receive the concerts without interruptions and noticeably free from the static which is bothering the receiving sets in other sections of the state. Among those who have well-equipped stations, which are working smoothly every day, are Stanley Hill of Seiko, the Universalist Church, and Harry L. Merrill, who deals in the machines and has a demonstrating radio set installed in his Main Street store, over which concerts are being received daily from the larger stations. There are also several machines in operation at Bidford Pool and at other beaches. One of the machines which offers students of radio a chance to study is the station of Harry L. Merrill, where an antenna has been strung along the roof of the building and is receiving the concert waves without interruption. Although the antenna is surrounded by high-tension wires of York County Power Company, a trolley wire of Bidford and Seiko Electric Road, and the wires of the Postal Telegraph Company, all carrying a high voltage and which local electricians predicted would make it impossible to receive anything over the apparatus. And that's the whole thing. That's a lot to unpack. It is, but it's pretty simple premise. Pretty much they're saying radio is hot. Yeah, it's catching fire. Yeah, this was a time where radio just really started taking off. Yeah, it absolutely had. It was enough of an amateur craze that they decided federally to start licensing radio stations. Yeah, I think it was 1923. I think you're right. Nice. So what's going on here, though, is more of that hobbyist route that we were talking about when we mentioned that radio station. Yeah, you know what I found really um, fascinating about the article, though, was that they were mentioning specific individuals in Bidford. Um, I really like the one who deals in the machines. Yeah, the machines that do this newfangled radio thing, right? I absolutely love the description of that. I was like, wow, that really goes in. To me, that's the point where it, it paints the picture of like, this is new. Yeah, because he's using it as a demo. Right, exactly. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people at this point, because it's a new technology, really just don't get it. No, they don't. It's completely foreign to a whole lot of people, I'd imagine. Well, at this point, if you want to hear a concert, which is what they're saying they're broadcasting, right? Where do you have to go? You got to go to The concert hall. Right, the concert hall. uh, Maybe a local venue of some kind, right? Sure. And now you can just click on the radio, which I'm sure was kind of a contraption at this point point right yeah absolutely i'm sure they still saw it as this gadget it was probably some kind of clunky box 
Yes. Glass tubes. Wiring. And lots of heat. I had definitely a lot of uh, what amperage going through that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. With a power cord that looks like it's more of a rope than a power cord. Yes. The old timey power cord. Yeah. With the like the braided sheath and everything. Yeah. Which I actually kind of like, by the way. What gets me, though, is kind of the same thing that you're talking about, that there are these people kind of pitching it hard. Yes, they are. Definitely. Like it's like they knew it's the future. Early adopters. Right. So what do you think that their reputation is around town? Are they probably already like gadget people or what you probably think they're a bunch of dorks uh-huh they're, oh you're this guy who lives in your mother's basement tinkering with a radio that box that whiny box that whiny box like get your head out of that whiny box and go to the speakeasy and join the boys right what do you think you're gonna pick up on that thing right exactly but people are broadcasting exactly though and and i think it's a big deal that people were picking up concerts so how hard of a job do you think these guys had convincing other people to buy in? I think they had a really rough time because I had imagined that radios weren't cheap. I'm asking because I know that you spend a considerable amount of your time in your job convincing people to buy into certain technologies that you think that they should be interacting with, right? Oh, that is absolutely true. I have to do it only when necessary, but yes. So in this case, these guys are sort of peddling or pushing something that isn't really needed. Right. They have to uh, paint a really vivid picture to sell the idea to people, I think. So how do you get in somebody's head then about, let's say that you're the guy in the 20s selling a radio. So the first thing that comes to mind, just knee-jerk reaction, is this could be huge for someone who needs to advertise their business. Oh, you go right to the business thing. That's immediately where my where my head is. I need to go and reach out to businesses. And I need to then tell other businesses that you know that, you know, Harvey's Tool and, you know, Tool Supply, they're, they're advertising with me. You know what I mean? And look how many customers they're getting. And next thing you know, you're pitting all these businesses and now, now you've got a whole business yourself. I could see that, especially with the guy who's selling the devices. Exactly. I mean, I think his target would be like a soda shop. Sure. Or a restaurant or something like that. Diner. I think back then, anything. Pretty much anybody that can uh, use a like a phonograph in their business, right? I'd even imagine a gun store. Yeah, a dress shop. Yeah. Something like that. Tailors. Yeah, where people are sort of like hanging out. Yeah. An ink store. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Stationery store. Stationery store. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Like the old stationery stores. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you can go in and browse, you could benefit from having music in the background because it sort of puts people in a pleasant mood. Right. Exactly. And this is the 20s. So it's, you know, it's chill music, right? Exactly. It's it's theoretically concert music, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Like big band or something along those lines. Jazz. Maybe even opera. You something know? you can foxtrot to? Sure. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Something really uh, happy. I could see that. You think that they would buy in right away, though? Like, get a radio, tune in every day, and all of that kind of thing? Or you think for them it'd be uh, still something where they'd have to be in a business where they could justify the cost? I think it was hit or miss. You know, just like like many revolutionary technologies, you're going to have groups of people that do latch on and you're going to have groups of people that tend to shun for a while. And you got those people that latch on aggressively. Look at the guy in the story that had all the obstacles. Yeah, right. The guy had all the obstacles in the world being thrown at him. And the electric company telling him it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. No faith. <laughs> yeah. Even the telegraph company, they're like, look, we're sending loads of current through these wires. It's going to cause crazy 
interference. Obviously, they get it, right? They're technicians. Yeah, they're a bunch of engineers. And they're like, there's no way. But this guy made it work. Right. You think that he sort of made it work, like, to prove that the technology was stable? Yeah, I think, I, I deep down, I feel like it has to be that way because he wants it to be. The article actually mentions that yeah. right at the beginning. I don't know if you noticed. It said that not only are they getting concerts but they're getting them clearly oh right so that there there there's a bit of a sale salesmanship in that somebody made a point right right exactly that it's coming in audibly and that it's concerts too because it's something pleasant something you should want to hear I yeah think. maybe the author of the article was pro radio then i would imagine so based on the wording yeah he's not just sort of putting the news out there he's like letting people know hey the this is happening people are achieving it i think it's great I think that it's good to see that there was enthusiasm um, from the newspaper side of it because to a degree you could you could see that that's actually a potential competitor. I think it goes a long way toward normalizing it, right? Right. I totally agree with that. That's got to be a big part of getting people to adopt the technology, right? It's the most legitimate form of media giving a nod to a new form of media. Right. Yeah. Something powerful endorsing something new that they feel could be just as powerful as what they are. Exactly. And, and really, though, think about it. It really, truly did. Yeah, eventually it sort of blows it out of the water, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, and to a degree, the, the ideas that it spawns give birth to new things like television. And then we started figuring out how to add permanence like the newspaper had. Exactly. Like we expanded on it because it became so commonplace. Right. Right. Wow. All right. Well, speaking on expanding, I'm sure we can expand more on this and probably get into some modern context if you're down. I'm ready if you are, man. All right. Let's get into it right after this. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 Podcast with Panchito and Mike. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Okay, everybody, we're back for the second half of an article about technology. Yeah, we always find ourselves here at technology, man. I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's sort of something we're surrounded by all the time. Well, you're using technology to listen to us right now on the 5 for 5 podcast. Exactly. But interesting thing about the technology that we're using, podcasting and all that kind of stuff, that had a high degree of adoption. As soon as it came on, people realized it was powerful and everybody jumped on. Viral-like adoption. Right. And that's sort of the angle of this technology story is adoption. 100% true. So 1920-something. Yes. Radio in a small town. And there's a few guys that make the paper because they're early adopters. That's essentially why they're in the paper. Yeah, these guys are like at the forefront, the avant-garde of this radio technology. Big time buy-in though. Clearly these guys are interesting. So what other examples can you think of moving forward into history where we've really had to sort of depend on like some maverick guys like these guys to leap us into adopting something as mainstream? Do you want to go straight into television? I mean, since that's not too far out. Yeah, I mean, that's the big one. The next big one, probably, right? Right, because it's now now we're sold on radio. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. We're, so, we're sold on radio and we're sold to go into the theater for our visuals. Right. So now you're going to sell me on this change. You're going to sell me on change, basically. I'm gonna it's a bring- movie at home. 
right. How do, how am I going to feel about that? Am I going to openly embrace that? Do I want to go to the the theater for my experience? I you know that's crazy to think about. And also, how does it fit into the home? I think that was a big challenge for them too, right? Right. Was the family ready for that? What exactly? What exactly is TV's role in the house? Exactly. That was a whole new paradigm that was introduced. You know, we weren't ready. I don't think there's usually something to do with that part of it, that challenge, right? Like not just whether or not we'll adopt something, but where it fits in, right? Well, I think with something as important as TV, I I think that question is very valid because people didn't realize it back then, but TV has so much influential power and something like that should, it should be addressed what its role in the house should be. Well, even its role in society too. Correct. Because everybody's watching the TV, but they're watching it all at the same time. Exactly. On a schedule. And it was the, it was the thing to talk about at work. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. It became water cooler chat, right? Exactly. See, that's a huge layer of adoption, I think. A big hump that we had to get over. Um, once it became water cooler chat, I think that was proof positive of the societal adoption. Yeah, like, pen- full penetration. Like en masse adoption. Yeah. It's definitely interesting, right? So that And all that just with television, okay? So what about, what, what, what after TV? I would say the home computer. Oh, wow. Okay, we're going to go that far and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I know that's a leap. Right. Yeah, that no, but that's a great leap because we're talking about penetration. Yes. Of technology, like you said, on Moss, like it's it's societal, right? right? Like the next time we saw that was with the home computer in different versions and varying versions because you can go all the way back to like, you know, Pong or something like that and say that that was included. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. um, It's computation. It's computation. A lot of people need to be sold on it and a lot of it because of its cost. Right. But it had a practical use. It had a lot of practical use. Not necessarily a necessary use. For a lot of businesses, no. Right. It wasn't necessary. You could get by with pencil and pen. Yeah, a ledger or something like that. You know, a ledger, pen and pad. And at home, you could play Yahtzee, not Pong. Exactly. But it was a new version of that to adopt, right? Exactly. And computation provided the platform for it. The ability to expedite a computation to create the programs that it did was able to just change our, our entire world. So let me change your uh, role again. Now you're a person in the late 70s, early 80s selling a home computer. Back then, the concept was you'd buy the home computer and plug it into your television. Yes, yes. So selling computers, how are you getting people to adopt? So computers back then were a very difficult sell. Mm-hmm. Okay, because... <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I, I really think that its best selling point wasn't until it was shrunk. Oh, okay. Even, even beyond... And it had its own monitor and everything. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I don't want to sell that computer if I'm, if I'm, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, the reason why is because my, my target is going to be a business owner. I need a guy who needs what was going to be the prehistoric spreadsheet, you know? Okay. I need a guy who... A guy who also needs a printer. Yeah. A, a matrix printer. Uh-huh. And um, that's who I'm going after because those are the those are the guys. That's how I'm going to make my 80s money. Right. So that I can have the Don Johnson suit. Business again, right? That's where my mind goes, man. Because the availability of things that I think that you could entice an everyday person with were very limited. Computer games were hard, were, were not even really a thing, okay, for a very long Entertainment time. Entertainment wasn't even necessarily a thing. Basically math. 
was its best selling point in its very, very infantile stages, you know, and going from there, you got to find who can you sell math to, you know, well, somebody who crunches numbers. I feel like Hollywood went a long way to help glamorize it and make it popular. Yeah. Shout out to Hollywood. They were so intrigued by that box. I think that Hollywood's like curiosity and like fascinations with computers came from those guys that they work with that used to work with the military and like would tell them about, you know, how they do things so that things would be authentic. And I think that that's what sparked the imagination of Hollywood and their fascination because they would be told about what the U.S. government was doing with computers. Well, Matthew Broderick did a movie like that. Right, exactly. And then he made a fun version of computer stuff when he did his uh, hacking on Ferris Bueller. The next thing you know, everybody was rerouting their encryptions. People were uh, buying modems. They were trying to hack the mainframe. Uh-huh. The, uh, that, that one is my, that's my favorite line. We're, we're going to reroute the encryptions and hack the mainframe. How about those interfaces they used to render in movies for like what a hack looks like? Oh my gosh, I love 80s interfaces. I really wanted computers to really be like Tron. Me too. I wanted to live inside that computer world. That really, for me, made me want a computer. See, when the internet came, that's when I knew, like, I, I was like, okay, it's only a matter of time until Tron becomes real. So let me ask you, was the internet another level of adoption? Yes. Or was it included with the home computer adoption? No, it was a, it's, a, its own separate adoption. It's its own animal. Yeah. Okay, walk me through that then. Okay, so imagine if you will, right? Society has now, for the most part, generally speaking, bought into the computer. It has value in the office space. It even has some value in the home. By the mid to late 80s, kids had computers in their bedrooms, some, some of the lucky ones. Now, the internet incorporates something that we have already accepted, the computer. But now you're asking somebody to um, engage with a new technology that requires, first of all, you to work with your phone company because right, you need to yeah. have the line set up. You have to pay a subscription cost all for you to connect to something that you don't really even know is. Yeah. Okay. But that was the internet back then. And what a lot of people- Those didn't, were the days. Yeah. And you had to actually click, you had to sign on to, you had to actually log on to the internet. Remember? Oh yeah. And then once you got on there, you had to know where you were going. Exactly. It was very destination driven. Search engines were not a thing. Uh, and I think that's why AOL got so popular was because their interface took you to a bunch of different places. Right. You would open that browser and it was sort of pre-populated with all of these click here to go, click here to go type things, right? Yeah. They, I feel like they kind of, uh, in my, this is just an opinion. I think that they were at the forefront of the landing page. And they were smart to sort of start treating it like if it was just another form of communication. Right. And and just to normalize it as quickly as he did, you know, like, this is it. This is the Internet. It's here. I'm sure that when they came up with home computers, they intended for there to be some kind of a communication protocol, but not so robust as like companies like AOL envisioned it and eventually made it right. Right. Because they had you like direct chatting with other AOL account holders. I mean, like you could have a conversation around the world. Essentially, they were telling you, look, your computer is like a phone. Yes. And for some people, you know, for, with 56K, 28.8, you had to pay some crazy rates to connect to the Internet. But it was pretty efficient. I mean, you could send data. 
an email. Think about what could be done. I mean, email was earth shattering. I mean, faxes were almost immediately dinosaurs. That's kind of a whole thing too, right? Because now we've, okay, so we adopt the internet. Are we simultaneously adopting email too? Or is that its own hurdle as well? Because we like our fax machine. I think that a lot of the adoption issues that we had and why a lot of the adoptions that we went through weren't so stark were because we didn't let go of a lot of old stuff. Well, yeah, because we clung, we clung to that fax machine. Like, I bought into computers real quick, but it wasn't because I let go of a bunch of other things. Right. It wasn't a direct replacement so much as I was finding new ways to integrate that new thing into my life. It was supplementary. I, I was very much the same way. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my dad who was an early adopter. So what, then the next thing was mobile phones or smartphones or what? Well, the cellular phone kind of kind of had its rise with the computer, right? Yeah, and, and it was sort of like the stepchild of just a regular landline too. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the mobile phone I felt like was, was a given. I felt like that one didn't require a lot of selling it just required a lot of people to buy in on its price point so since the internet has there been another big jump like that well or what's the next big jump you you're gonna you kind of tied into it a little bit with mobile phones okay so i think getting business to rely on mobile technology as a primary method of 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 communication has has been something that has required society to be sold sold onto it a bit i think i'm with you on that a little bit i think that businesses themselves are going to be a cloud-based thing right remote yeah they're just sort of this thing that exists not necessarily a brick and mortar or anything not really an entity beyond a business license and a bank account right exactly wireless technology in and of itself i think is has required some selling on on society because we've become comfortable knowing that things are traveling through courts and to get a business to be comfortable with knowing that your entire bottom line is going to be relying on anything on this, on everything that's invisible around you, I think for a lot of people deep down is hard to accept. Well, we'll see what the next big thing is. I definitely know though, whatever it is, it's going to seem super abstract moving forward. They say it's 5G. Yeah. That's the big talk these days. That'll take us completely disconnected, I think. Well, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that because the, you know, one of the things that 5G ought to be capable of based on what people are saying is that it'll also be able to charge things wirelessly you know what that means like beyond the fact that you're going to have a cellular signal you're going to be able to send video signals you'll be able to send energy wirelessly yeah, power over the air right power over the air our cell phones i can i mean i don't know what that means for our brains but uh, <laughs> you know but there you are you know lots of interference hey electric cars it's going to be a good future for them all right. Well, speaking of our future, I think there's points in our future. Oh, man, I hope so. Uh, this time I brought the story, so you owe me a score. And if you want, we can get into it right after this. I'm ready, man. All right. We'll be right back. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 podcast with Panchito and Mike. All right, everybody, we're back for the finale of the 5 for 5 podcast, the show where we play for pointless points and pointless prizes. But the journey through history is priceless. Absolutely priceless. Just like today's topic, right? Yeah, I loved it, man. I think you did great. Um, I have a prize here for you. Okay. 
So just to make sure that you're at the forefront of technology, I'm getting you an AOL floppy diskette. 3.5? 3.5, baby. Just in case you haven't adopted, you can start now. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I'll definitely have to put the disc in if I can find somewhere to put it in. Do it. And start dialing up. Be ready, folks. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media. That's right, folks. That's Zwerk Media. Z-W-E-R-C Media. Mike, thanks once again, and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Machito. Peace out.